Welcome to the Wisdom of the Womb podcast, your home for mind, body, and soul wellness for women. My name is Stephanie Adler. I'm a certified nutrition consultant, birth doula, and women's hormone and fertility expert. I've supported hundreds of women in having healthy cycles, healthy babies, and building a balanced foundation in their bodies and minds to set them up for a limitless life. Now it's your turn. I believe a woman reaches her full potential when she trusts the innate wisdom of her body and that those women change the world. So if you're wanting to achieve hormone harmony, have boundless energy, optimize your fertility, live a holistically healthy life, and learn how to love and trust your body to become the well woman you know you are meant to be, you're in the right place. Join me for weekly wisdom on topics such as holistic hormone and gut health, fertility, mindfulness, birth, pregnancy, and beyond, and leave with actionable steps towards well womanhood. Thanks for pressing play today. I'm so excited for the magic we're going to create together. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast today. I'm so excited about today's episode. Today, we're speaking about hormonal birth control and the sneaky side effects that it has and the side effects that you might not know about and the side effects that your doctor almost certainly didn't tell you about when you went on hormonal birth control. So whether it's the hormonal IUD or the pill or the shot or the implant or the NuvaRing, hormonal birth control does not come without a price. And I'm not talking about your pharmacy copay. (laughs) Um, and you know, when I was preparing for this podcast, it's going to be a little bit of a longer podcast today. And I was really having to sit with and narrow down. What are the things that we're really going to focus on? And maybe we'll do a part two, because there is so much on this topic. And I encourage you to even just pull out the insert. If you are someone who is on hormonal birth control, uh, to pull out the insert and just like, start to read the insert that comes with your medication every month, because there is so much there, some of which would be on the insert and some of which is like newer research and has not made it into, the mainstream yet. And so I'm really excited to be able to illuminate uh, a little bit more on some of these side effects and how they are impacting not only the people who are on birth control and while they're on it, but after the fact, and even the next generation, we're going to be talking about that today. So whether or not you are currently on hormonal birth control or have a history of being on hormonal birth control, or maybe just know other women who might be, and you want to have more information about this incredibly important topic as it comes to women's liberation. I'm so glad you're here. This is absolutely for you as a reminder. This is not medical advice though. And I do encourage you. In fact, I really, really encourage you to speak with your doctors about this and ask them questions. And please let me know how they respond (laughs) because we have an ongoing series around here called shit. My OB said, Um, and I'm always looking for new content, (laughs) just kidding. Well, not actually, but I really hope that your doctor is receptive to this information. And like I said, you can always even bring that insert that comes with the prescription with you to the, to the appointment and kind of be like, well, can we talk about some of these side effects and why wasn't I brought up to date on them when I got on this medication and, you know, just really like start to bring awareness into the medical community of how, we're thinking and talking about hormonal birth control in the outside of the medical community. And I think that there's um, some really good 
good practice that can come from that. And, you know, I have so many anecdotal stories and some of them will pop in throughout this, throughout this, uh, hopefully around an hour, under an hour, we're going to spend together today. Um, and a lot of them, you know, have to do with this conversation that you can have with your doctor. So like I said, not medical advice, encourage you to speak to your doctor, would love for you to speak to your doctor about all of this. So whether or not you're on hormonal birth control, considering getting off, loving being on it, or listening to this with your friends, sisters, or daughters in mind, I want to also just remind you that I am not anti-hormonal birth control. Sometimes it can seem that way when we talk about all of these side effects and all of the things that this can do to your body. But even though I do think that it is doing irrevocable, irrevocable damage to generations of women in more ways than we can imagine, I'm not anti-it existing. I'm really pro-information and want women to be properly informed about what they're putting in their bodies. So this episode is being brought to the world with the intention of closing that gap. I know that when I was put on the pill for period pain and to prevent possible endometriosis, that we had no evidence other than painful periods and that my aunt had endometriosis, uh, 12 years old. I was 12 when this happened. Like we weren't told any of this. My mom had no idea. Right. And she was just kind of following doctor's orders. And, you know, so we will have other episodes that go into reasons that are not connected to contraception that women go on to hormonal birth control. This could be heavy periods, acne, irregular cycles, whatever it may be, where a lot of times hormonal birth control is prescribed for that. And it doesn't actually address the underlying issue. Um, that is not what this podcast is going to be about today. Today, we're really talking about the side effects and the side effects that you might not know about. So what are these side effects that you might not know about? The first one is microbiome disruption. And we're going to go into detail about each of these, and I'm just going to give a high level of all the things that we're going to be talking about first. So the first one is microbiome disruption. The second is anxiety and depression. The third is nutrient depletion, many of which many of these nutrients are, are necessary for healthy babies and fertility for our, our ability to get pregnant. The fourth one is an increased risk for cancer and not just for you as the, or for the person taking or using hormonal birth control, but also for future children. Uh, diabetes during menopause is another one there as well. And increased inflammation, low libido, and can even interfere with you picking the right partner and what that means also for fertility and genetics and everything there. So we have a lot to get into today. So we're going to go ahead and get started. I'm just excited about this. Get ready to learn ladies. So let's start with that microbiome disruption. Birth control pills specifically, speaking about oral contraception at this point, can disrupt normal flora, which is the bacteria that live in your gut, and create an environment that allows for the overgrowth of harmful bacteria and yeast. Okay. There are three pounds of bacteria that are living organisms that exist in your digestive tract, in your gut at any given time. Three pounds is a lot. Like if you've ever gone to Pilates or bar and you have to do those like little pulse things with the three pound weight, it gets heavy <laughs> after like the first 
10 reps. So three pounds is a pretty significant amount of bacteria that we are carrying around with us at any given time. Now, when that flora gets disrupted, it can lead to so many health issues. One of the tests that I run in my practice is this GI map stool sample that we will gives us a really good insight into the bacteria, the microbiome of the gut. And I find so frequently, frequently that women who had been on hormonal birth control have dysbiosis, which means an imbalance of good and bad bacteria. Sometimes it's an overgrowth of the bad. Sometimes it's an undergrowth of the good. It can also be overgrowth of the good. And a lot of times what ends up happening with that is we also make ourselves more susceptible to yeast or candida hormonal birth control pills, the oral contraceptive is one of the primary leading reasons why people get candida overgrowth and candida overgrowth can cause everything from brain fog to anxiety, to skin issues, to yeast infections, to so many different ailments in the body. And so, you know, there are leading experts who are researching the gut now who really believe that the microbiome is the key to understanding not only the health of the brain and our immune systems, because, you know, so much 90% of our immune system lives in the brain, 90% of our serotonin are happy or or, uh, lives in the gut our 90% of our immune system lives in the gut. And then also 90% of serotonin is produced in the brain or (laughs) is produced in the gut, which is impacting our brain health right? And so what we're understanding is that this gut environment is so critical for overall health and that we know very directly that taking oral contraceptives really impacts the gut health. And so additionally, IBD, which stands for irritable bowel disease, which is often linked to Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, Many of the experts that are doing research on this believe that the understanding the microbiome is the key to understanding these autoimmune diseases of the gut. Makes sense, right? The environment in your gut, these bacteria that have a lot to do with immunity could lead to a a situation where there's an autoimmune condition in the gut. So what we have also seen from the studies is that women who take oral contraceptives for more than five years, more than triple their risk of developing Crohn's disease and IBD, like ulcerative colitis. That is so significant. If you are someone who already has a predisposition to gut issues and you're going into a doctor's office and you get prescribed birth control for whatever reason, whether it's because you don't wanna get pregnant or because you have painful periods, is this a conversation that your doctor is having with you? Unlikely is the answer. And tripling your risk of getting an irritable bowel disease like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis is very significant. But even before irritable bowel disease, irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, can be a result of birth control. And common side effects of that are oftentimes a result of that impact on the microbiome, right? of that impact on the bacteria that this birth control can have, but those symptoms can be constipation, diarrhea, belly pain. In addition, birth control can increase inflammation and increase intestinal permeability, which is leaky gut, which are known risk factors of IBS. The TLDR of this section is that gut health is so 
connected to the health of the entire woman, the entire brain, immunity, overall ability to show up in the world and feel good. And that taking oral contraceptives has increases inflammation, can cause leaky gut, which we know can lead to so many different health issues, can lead to tripling your risk of getting irritable bowel disease like Crohn's disease, and can create an environment where bad bacteria thrive, good bacteria overgrow or undergrow, and there is oftentimes yeast overgrowth. It's pretty significant. And the more we start to understand and place an importance on the health of the gut, we need not forget that everything we put in our mouth, medications, just like food, have an impact. So moving on to the second reason or the second side effect that birth control has, and this one is not limited to the oral contraceptive that you might not know about. And this is anxiety and depression. And this one rings really true to me. Um, one as a personal pain, a personal heartache. I, since I was a teenager, early teenager, thought I was an anxious person. I had a lot of trouble controlling my emotions. I was crying. I was a big crier. And I, I remember when my now husband and I were together in the early part of our relationship, we would have disagreements that just felt so big. And now looking back on them, it, it's so interesting to have this 2020, you know, hindsight perspective. But I remember once after one of these like huge blow up fights, my partner saying to me, you know, you, you can't just you can't just do this all the time. Like you can't just like come into our life, like a wrecking ball and cry all the time. Like you're, you're acting crazy and you need to work on that. And I remember feeling so overwhelmed when I left his house, because I was like, well, that's just who I am and how I am. How am I going to be able to, to, to work on that? And of course, yes, like I did do work on that in terms of, you know, improving my mindfulness practices and managing my emotions. But around that same time is also when I got off of hormonal birth control and it was like night and day. I no longer was an anxious person. I no longer was this like crazy person who could not control my emotions at all. And this anxiety piece is so interesting for me because I can't tell you how many clients I have who are either on hormonal birth control or recently got off hormonal birth control and also are on SSRIs or anxiety meds. SSRIs are for depression typically. And when I ask about the timeline of when they got on these medications, it almost always looks like I got on birth control. And then within a year or two, if, if on the high end of the, like, I tried to wait it out, but for the most part, it's within a year of getting on birth control, they're on anxiety meds or they're on anti-depression medication. Why? there are several factors why birth control impacts anxiety and depression. And we're going to talk about a bunch of them today, but I, something I really want everyone to think a lot about. I, again, as a personal experience, it was like, I, my identity changed as someone who was anxious and crazy to someone who no longer was plagued 
by that. And I was able to step out of that by simply getting off of birth control. And there was recently a beautiful documentary done called the business of birth control by the creators of the business of giving birth. If you have never seen that, I highly recommend as well. It's, it's very dated at this point, but still a good, uh, insight into what, you know, the business of giving birth looks like. And the business of birth control really talks about this connection between anxiety and depression. And I think it's a really valuable watch, but anyways, why, like, what are the factors that go into why someone might have a side effect of anxiety or depression from being on hormonal birth control? And again, this is most forms of birth control. Well, the first one is nutrient depletion. And we're going to talk about that on its own as a separate category in a minute, but nutrient depletion, if we do not have proper nutrients can lead to decreased brain health, which has a lot to do with hormones that make us happy production and anxiety hundred, hundred percent. Those are correlated microbiome disruption, which we just talked about, right? Leaky gut. So connected to anxiety and depression, candida, that yeast overgrowth, which is primed for setting up when you're on the oral contraceptive pill, sets you up for anxiety and brain fog and all of these other issues of the brain, right? And so when we look at these nutrient depletion, microbiome disruption, which are side effects in and of themselves, we see the correlation and how that can lead to anxiety and depression. Another one is inflammation. Inflammation can impact mood, and cause anxiety and depression of itself as well. Also though, the birth control pill itself, as opposed to being a, then, you know, a side effect of that, which then becomes a byproduct of something else, which leads to the anxiety and depression birth control in most forms, the pill, the IUD, the injection, the Nuva ring, the implant, et cetera, all contain progestin. Progestin sounds like progesterone, but it's not. It's a synthetic synthetic hormone, which is made to resemble progesterone, but it is not the same. Progesterone and progestin do not have the same impact on the body. Some of these birth controls also contain synthetic estrogen. Some of them are progestin only, but the ones that are, I mean, it doesn't actually matter if they have estrogen or synthetic estrogen or not, but the progestin is in molecular structure actually more similar to testosterone than it is to progesterone, which is the hormone that your body makes when you ovulate. All right. And that's why progestin can actually cause hair loss and weight gain because it is more similar to testosterone than it is to progesterone. It also, so progesterone, which is the hormone that your body makes after you ovulate, it is the progestation hormone, the pro-pregnancy hormone. Typically what happens in the body, you ovulate magic. Then you're left with this corpus luteum, which is the sac that was holding the egg, which was ovulated. And that corpus luteum starts to pump out progesterone. Now progesterone in its natural form improves your cardiovascular health, stimulates hair growth, has anti-androgen properties, meaning that it is the counterbalance to male-like hormones. It's generally good for mood and for sleep and may reduce the risk of breast cancer. Beautiful, right? That sounds amazing. Our body is so smart and wise and creates this beautiful hormone. Now for most 
of the birth controls on the market, the goal is to stop ovulation. Some of them, like the Marina IUD, for example, the longer you have it, you do start to ovulate as the hormone levels get lower, but the progestin thins the uterine lining, which makes it impossible for baby to land. And it stops you from producing adequate amounts of your own progesterone. Okay. Because if you were making enough progesterone, you would be making a nice, thick, beautiful lining. Okay. But progestin which is the synthetic form of progesterone, which is actually more similar to testosterone in its molecular makeup, has the opposite effect of progesterone on mood, amongst other things, right? It can, instead of improving cardiovascular health, it can cause high blood pressure. Instead of stimulating hair growth, it can cause hair loss. Instead of having these anti-androgen properties, those anti-male-like hormones properties, it can actually be androgenic or testosterone-like. Instead of being generally good for mood and sleep, like your natural progesterone production is, it can actually cause anxiety and depression. It also can increase the risk of breast cancer. But going back to this piece around mood, if all of these forms of birth control, a pill, IUD, injection, NuvaRing, implant, et cetera, have progestin as their main or in partnership with a synthetic estrogen form of hormone and can cause anxiety and depression, we can start to see this connection. You are not taking progesterone when, and progesterone again, is really good for mood and sleep. When progesterone is in balance, you feel calm and serene and you sleep well, and you're not an insomniac who has anxiety and feels, you know, not motivated and sad which is something that progestin is linked to and can actually cause. So that's a reason why anxiety and depression, in addition to these other byproducts of the nutrient depletion, microbiome disruption, and inflammation is correlated with anxiety and depression. Now, going back to that nutrient depletion, What is so important to know about this is not only from the perspective of this nutrient depletion, which is a side effect of the hormonal birth control, primarily pill, but not exclusively. The result of the, the birth control depleting your body of these critical vitamins and minerals, not only can have this impact on your brain health, right? And this anxiety and depression, and not only does that set you up for metabolic chaos in every area of your life, right? If we don't have the proper minerals and vitamins doing their jobs in the body, meeting their cofactors where they're supposed to be. This could influence everything from the way our, we gain weight or not, or the way that we can focus at work. This can, I mean, this can impact, impact truly everything. It can impact our immunity so much, but something that is really interesting is that it also, it really influences what's necessary for having healthy babies and fertility. Okay. So the birth control pill depletes your body of these critical vitamins and minerals, specifically things like antioxidants, B vitamins, and minerals like selenium and zinc. All right. We see this in studies when a woman is taking an oral contraceptive, these are depleted. Now we know that these minerals and these nutrients are critical for creating that calm inducing neurotransmitters 
which then can contribute to anxiety. We also know how critical zinc and selenium and B vitamins and antioxidants are for liver detoxification, for balancing hormones, for thyroid hormone synthesis, for immune system regulation and tissue repair. Like it's so many things, ladies. Then we layer on when women want to become pregnant, this pill that they've been on for sometimes a decade or more creates a nutrient deficiency, which can impact the health of your pregnancy and the health of your baby, right? Especially, not exclusively, but especially for a mother wishing to conceive again the second time around or the third or fourth, whatever, the pill can rob them of the nutrients that they need to recover from the previous pregnancy and diminish the essential vitamins and minerals that are needed for fetal development. So let's paint a picture where someone has been on hormonal birth control for five or six years, they get off of it, they get pregnant and they have a baby and then they get on hormonal birth control again to prevent them from getting pregnant before they want to get pregnant again. So now they went into the first pregnancy mineral deficient Hopefully they had a healthy pregnancy. Hopefully they had some, you know, good vital reserves stored up. Then that baby depletes you of so many minerals and vitamins. And then you are under operating under sleep deprivation, which drains your body of even more minerals and vitamins because your body's utilizing them to help you get through a really stressful time. And then you end up blocking your absorption and depleting your minerals from more birth control. And you try and get pregnant again. And like, these are really important minerals for fetal development. These are really important to help us stabilize our blood sugar. It can lead to having things like gestational diabetes. It can lead to having things like preeclampsia, right? If we don't have these essential nutrients. So not only is this important for fertility, but it's important for everything from anxiety, depression, balancing your hormones after getting off of birth control liver detoxification, thyroid hormone synthesis. And one of the side effects that I actually chose not to include today, just for the sake of time, but a side effect of hormonal birth control can be thyroid issues. There are several factors leading to that, but one of them is, you know, depleting your body of zinc and selenium, which is so critical for thyroid balance. So there's just so much there. So nutrient depletion is a really big one. And it's definitely something that most Medical professionals are not telling you about when you are getting on the pill or even getting off of it if your intention is to conceive. So moving on to reason number four, I could talk about all of these all day, but for the sake of brevity, we're going to move on to number four, which is the increased risk for cancer, not just for you or the person taking hormonal birth control, but for the offspring of the person who was on hormonal birth control, potentially. Hormonal birth control is a classified carcinogen. A carcinogen is a product that is proven to be linked to causing cancer. And you can go on the American Cancer Society website and see that hormonal birth control is a classified carcinogen. There are several studies showing increased risk for breast cancer, cervical cancer, and other more, you know, quote unquote, female dominated cancers. There are also several studies, um, including one from Denmark that found that 
any of the women who were in the study that had ever you who had used oral contraceptives in containing either estrogen, progestin, or both faced a 50% increased risk of glioma. And those who use the pill for five years or more faced a 90% increased risk. However, women who use birth control pills containing only progestin were 140% more likely to develop the brain tumors. And that risk was significantly higher if progestin only contra oral contraceptives were all they had ever used. This is wild. Glioma, this type of brain tumor, whether or not you used a pill using progestin or and only progestin or progestin and estrogen had this 50% increased risk of glioma. For those who use the pill for five, for any amount of time, who used it for five years or more had a 90% increased risk. And then those who use the progestin only, 140% more likely to develop brain tumors. That is so significant and really interesting because I think a lot of times we think about this well as like, oh, estrogen or progestin, like they're hormonal cancers, right? So it makes more sense with this increased risk of brain cancer or breast cancer or cervical cancer, but we're seeing that it crosses that blood brain barrier. It doesn't actually only have to do with the hormones specifically, or that these hormones, because clearly the progestin being different than progesterone, right? Where we talked about that already shows 140% increased risk versus the 90% increased risk with the estrogen and progestin only for five years. So we are seeing that, you know, these hormonal impacts, we don't fully understand everything that they do in the body and neither does the people prescribing them to you. This next one was even crazier to me when I found this out and, and very, very upsetting, honestly. In an 18-year Danish study, really shouting out to like the people in the, you know, Denmark, Danish people, like they're really looking into this. I appreciate it. So in this 18-year study, uh, they found a correlation of childhood leukemia by 78% was showed to women who had been on hormonal birth control within six months before conceiving. This was true of both progestin only and estrogen and progestin only pills. So the offspring of women who had been on hormonal birth control within six months before their conception date, their children had a 78% higher chance of having childhood leukemia compared to women who had not been on hormonal birth control within 78, within six months of this timeline of their conception. And this was true for both progestin only and estrogen and progestin only pills. Again, this is, these studies are only looking at oral contraception. So we don't have the full scope of what this means for the implant or the Nuva ring, things like that. But when we look at the breakdown of the birth, the IUD progestin only, when we look at the Nuva ring, looking at the breakdown of what the hormones are, are that are present in this, we have every reason to believe when it comes to the cancer studies that it would be the same 
because it doesn't have to do with something like the oral contraception in the microbiome, which is like you're directly swallowing it and it's going through your digestive tract. This just has to do with the way it's impacting the body. And one thing I just want to point out is something that people say frequently to me about the IUD is that, well, my doctor said it was localized, right? Two things there. One, they recently found specifically researching the IUD that women had these increased, um, increased like not necessarily tumors, but like increased tissue in the breast, some of which were like, you know, precancerous or some of which were not cancerous, but like growths in the breast, um, specifically from the IUD, which obviously those are not in the same location. And the second one is this little story anecdote that I'll tell you <laughs> about myself and a bad yeast infection. And I think about this every single time that I hear someone tell me that anything in the body is localized, specifically hormones that are being put into your body through an IUD inside your uterus. I had a very bad yeast infection when I lived in Tel Aviv. And at the time, you know, I really was already in the world of not trying to take a lot of medication, but to be honest, it was just keeping me up. Like, I mean, anyone who's had a bad yeast infection knows the pain where it's just like, you want to claw your skin off. Right. So I was up at like three in the morning researching online, like natural remedies <laughs> to a yeast infection because I couldn't sleep. I was so itchy. It was just so uncomfortable. And one of the things that I found said to put a clove of garlic inside the vaginal canal and that that could you know, make the yeast infection go away. And I'm like, great. I have garlic. I run to the kitchen. I peel a clove of garlic. I go to the bathroom. I push it up in there and come back to my computer and I continue reading the page. And I get to the end where it says, make sure to tie a piece of floss around it so that you can get it out. Oops. I hadn't done that. A day goes by. It's helping a little bit, honestly. And I'm like, okay, great. This is working. Let me go and try and take it out. I can't find it. I can't reach it. It's not there. <laughs> Even though I know it's there because every single pore in my body is starting to sweat out garlic. Second day, I'm on the bus on the way to school and people are literally looking at me. And I'm on a bus with like a bunch of it is hot in Tel Aviv and you know, let's say it's 85 degrees outside and a little bit humid for sure. And I'm on the bus with people who are wearing, you know, like religious and they're wearing these like long, you know, heavy coats and long pants. And, and they're looking at me like I smell bad. <laughs> and my classmates are like, what's that smell? It's, it's the smell of garlic and it is coming out of my body everywhere. And by the third day, it was like, I was walking around trying to ward off vampires. I my entire body reeked of garlic. You could smell me a mile away. Finally, I'm squatting. I'm like bearing down. I'm able to claw out the garlic, but that was a small clove of garlic inside my vagina, right? Like imagine where a tampon would be within two days of that being there. I'm like reeking of garlic. Nothing in the body is localized. You can't take a small amount of hormones and put them in your uterus for five years and think they're not going anywhere. So getting back to my point, we don't have the studies 
when it comes to increased risk for cancer and other forms of birth control that are not oral contraceptives. Most of these studies are specifically looking at oral contraceptives. We have no reason to believe that it is significantly different with these other forms of birth control that use the same hormones. Whether it's an IUD or a Nuva ring, nothing is localized in the body. So it's pretty wild. It's pretty crazy. It's not just impacting the person taking this birth control, but what we're starting to see is that it's possible that it also impacts a fetus that's conceived within six months of getting off of hormonal birth control. So the next time a medical professional tries to tell you, well, why don't you just get off of it when you're ready to have a baby? That might be significantly impacting the, the, the health of your future children. I recently was on the phone with a client who had terrible migraines with aura, just, I mean, like they, they really disrupted her life when she was young and she got on my, on hormonal birth control to prevent them. And for over 10 or 15 years at this point, she's been on hormonal birth control and we worked together to prepare her for getting off of hormonal birth control because she was really scared. And every doctor that she had been to in the past 10 years, when she said, I don't want to be on this medication anymore. What are my options? Told her she didn't have any. Also, when she went to her OBGYN and was said, you know, I don't want to be on this for this reasons, was just like completely dismissed and told to get off of it right when she wanted to get pregnant. And that the plan for managing her migraines was to get back on it immediately after she got pregnant, even though that was very much against what she wanted to do. So we worked together to help her get off of hormonal birth control. She's now a couple months off of hormonal birth control and no migraines thus far. We really worked on opening up all of her detox systems, looking at root causes of why these migraines might have been happening in the first place and are continuing to support her body through this transition. And she is not in the place where she wants to get pregnant right this moment, but she also mentioned to me on our last call, you know, they're not trying, but they're not, not trying. And I said to her, you know, I honestly think if you want my professional opinion to wait time in between because of this in additional information that's coming out, you know, if you're not, I need to have a baby yesterday, it's important that we make sure that you're set up for the healthiest pregnancy possible. Let's rebuild. We've already worked on supporting her nutrient levels throughout the time, but it was a little bit of an uphill battle, right? Because she was still on the oral contraception. We've really worked on supporting her gut, but let's take more time to do all of that, help you have a healthier pregnancy, reduce risk of getting GBS and all of these other things, and also protect your future baby. This is, this is significant stuff here. And she was so grateful that I said that. So, so grateful. She was like, wow, I wish I had had this information, which is why we're sharing it today. So the next reason, the next side effect, next reason you might've not been told that taking birth control could be potentially dangerous. Um, but no, the next side effect that you might not know about is increased inflammation. Um, we mentioned this before at, when we talked about the microbiome, but birth control can increase inflammation and increase intestinal permeability, which is that leaky gut, which leads to more inflammation. And additionally, the pill increases oxidative stress in the body which raises inflammation. And we can even see this by the elevation of a marker called C-reactive protein, CRP, on blood tests. So we know that inflammation is involved in the development of depression, autoimmune disease, cancer, and chronic pain. So we can really start to see how so many of these things are connected to some of the other side effects that we were talking about before. 
Also increased inflammation is one of the ways that the pill increases the stress on your adrenals and can cause more adrenal and hormonal dysfunction over time, which could lead to, you know, fatigue and thyroid imbalances even. Additionally, this actually probably has a little bit more to do with, um, the metabolic impact, which we're not actually going to talk about that much today, but, um, but it is also connected when you even taking birth control, hormonal birth control for six months can increase the likelihood that you develop diabetes during menopause. Um, and also it increases your risk for stroke and blood clots. Um, this one is like usually one that stroke and blood clots is usually one of the few side effects mentioned when you do get on hormonal birth control. Um, so that one you might actually know about, but some of these can be very much linked to inflammation in the body as well. So we could do 10 more podcasts on the ways in which inflammation is a root cause of so much dysfunction in the body. So we're not going to get into all of that too much today, but overall, there are several pathways for birth control to increase inflammation in the body, which then can lead to everything from autoimmune disease, depression, cancer, et cetera. So we're really starting to see some of the pathways for how these other side effects can be influenced by inflammation as well. And then the last one, saving some of the best for last, not just kidding, not necessarily the best, but I think one of the really interesting ones, um, is that low libido is a side effect is that you can have low libido and also that hormonal birth control can interfere with you picking the right partner. So saving, you know, this juicy one for last, yes, like taking birth control can have a detrimental impact on you picking the potential father of your offspring. Now this has to do a little bit with like finding a partner that you find more attractive. So there is an element of that, but it actually has more to do with like a genetic component as well. So on the genetic component component, this has to do with what's called the major histocompatibility complex, otherwise known as the MHC genes that are genes involved in the immune response in the body. Okay. So women instinctually will look for genes that are more dissimilar to theirs. Why? Well, it's healthier for the baby and it's healthier for pregnancy. Plus it also is more likely to lead to a satisfying mate and partnership, but it's something that was developed over time. I mean, if you think about a, um, so I'm Ashkenazi in terms of my ethnicity and Ash, I had to do a lot of genetic testing with my husband before we actually did this before we were even engaged. I used to joke with my girlfriends that like, if you're Ashkenazi by like the third date, you're going and getting genetic testing because we were for generations intermarrying within each other. And there was a lot of genetic mixing within the same gene pool, which can lead to genetic abnormalities, right? Which is why Ashkenazi Jews are more susceptible to certain diseases, things like Tay-Sachs and even actually IBD, Crohn's colitis, things like that. Um, but like, but other things more that like are passed down to babies that can be like significant genetic, uh, hindrances and like can even impact, you know, a, a baby's ability to, to live to adulthood. So these, this major histocompatibility complex genes 
actually help us identify like someone who is more opposite from us. And when it comes to the gene pool, because having a more diverse gene pool means we're less likely to have these genetic abnormalities, but taking hormonal birth control can interfere with the use of the sense of smell, which is how we find these genes. It's obviously not something that you're walking around the bar on a Saturday night, like sniffing the air being like, that guy has different genes than me. Like we're going to make the the healthiest babies. And I'm going to be so attracted to him. That's not what's happening, but these genes churn out substances that tell the body, whether a cell is a native or an invader. And when individuals with these different MHC, MHC genes made their offspring's immune systems can recognize a broader range of foreign cells, making them healthier and more fit, more strong. What's fascinating about this is again, it's not something that you're instinctually or that you're, it's something that you are instinctually doing, but you're not hyper aware of it. It's kind of like when a salmon swims upstream to the same place where it was born, even though it, you know, doesn't remember why it's doing that. It's something that's just like happens on a biological level level and taking a hormonal birth control interferes with this. Something that I find so interesting as someone who is working in the world of fertility is that not only could these MHC genes being more similar in couples lead to fertility issues, but I mean, this part is like less, um, this is more about the, like the dating side of it, but it's wild that the study looked at and said, not only could MHC similarity in couples lead to fertility problems, let's put a little asterisk on that and come back to it from the fertility perspective, but it could ultimately lead to the breakdown of relationships. When women stop using the contraceptive pill as an odor perception plays a significant role in maintaining attraction to partners. I don't know about you, but I like personally get so off on the smell of my husband's like sweat, like his underarms. Like I like weirdly love smelling it. I feel very fortunate that I was on hormonal birth control when I met my partner and it still worked out. Um, and you know, the same client that I was just talking about earlier was like, I I'm still liking Matt's, you know, her husband's smell. (laughs) And it's like, so, you know, of course not every single person is going to potentially have that impact, But it is pretty wild that like it definitely could lead to you not being as attracted to your partner anymore. But going back to this fertility problems, you know, as a fertility specialist, I have to wonder if part of the really complex reason why so many people are struggling with infertility now, one in six couples struggles with infertility, is because we have a generation that was picking their partners under the wrong circumstances while they were under the influence of hormonal birth control. And of course there are other environmental factors. Of course there are lifestyle factors and the way that that's impacting our hormones. I mean, it is a complex issue. I am by no means saying that women who are on hormonal birth control are smelling out the wrong partners. And therefore that is the reason why one in six people are struggling with infertility or one in six couples. But also (laughs) a complex problem has a lot of complex components. And I do think that it's definitely part of that. You know, if these genes are not connected or these genes are connected to fertility, and if these genes are not being as dissimilar as they should be and like sniffed out in the right way, 
then, you know, it's, it's definitely possible that this is one of the reasons, you know, I see a lot of people who, you know, especially with recurrent pregnancy loss who have, you know, for genetic reasons or that they, they will say, you know, sometimes it's coming down to egg quality, but a lot of times it has to do with embryo quality. And I think that a lot of it could be because we're, we're not choosing partners from the place that biologically we were intended to. So yeah, some really, really interesting stuff there. I'd be really curious if you've had any experiences with, you know, not being as attracted to your partner after getting off of the hormonal birth control pill or IUD or anything else, but really, really, really wild. Um, and then connected to this, but not as connected to this, but just about libido. I recently was on the phone with a client and she was saying how she went off of birth control for a month, a year and a half ago, um, tried doing it on her own and it was not successful. She has very, very heavy periods. And that during that month though, that she had gotten off of birth control, she was like, and I experienced a libido for the first time. I was like, wow, this is what life is really supposed to be like. And I've had other clients who, you know, they get off of hormonal birth control and they're like, I feel like I'm going through puberty again. I'm boy crazy. I'm just like, you know, learn. I feel like I'm rediscovering masturbation. I'm like really turned on. And it's so sad to me to think about so many women just like under this dampener and this filter. And so many people go on it in early adolescence, right? I was 12. I work with people all the time who went on birth control around the time that they got their period or in late high school when, you know, we don't really have an idea then what, what's normal when it comes to libido. And so hormonal birth control of all kinds, not just the oral contraceptive pill, everything from the implant to the IUD to the NuvaRing, et cetera, lowers libido because it lowers testosterone levels. Additionally, Specifically, estrogen pills may play a role in killing libido, but all hormonal birth control lowers testosterone levels, which is, you know, when we look at the very old, like stereotypes around men versus women, when it comes to sex, one of the reasons why that is a stereotype is because testosterone makes people really driven about sex and testosterone is a male hormone. It's one of the reasons why mid cycle. If you are an ovulating female, you get extra horny because you get a little boost of testosterone amount around that time. So when we're lowering testosterone and we're comp, com, constantly dampering that we can really start to see libido, you know, really decline. Um, and this specific disconnection from the sexual self and the desire to reclaim it is one of the reasons that I frequently see clients like start to discover themselves in a totally new way when they transition off of birth control, you know, it's like a re like this, this really like uncovering and unraveling of the divine feminine. When you are able to connect to pleasure in such a such a new way, especially if you've been on it for a significant amount of time. And it just feels so something that you're very disconnected from this, like reclaiming, re, you know, claiming of pleasure and power that comes from that sexuality is so amazing to see. And the women that I work with who, who are transitioning off of hormonal birth control and balancing out their own hormones and really starting to, to, to reclaim what is theirs. So I think that's where we're going to call it for today. Overall, 
we talked about how hormonal birth control has some sneaky side effects like microbiome disruption, anxiety, and depression, nutrient depletion, increased risk for cancer, increased inflammation, and this <laughs> low libido, and even inner ability to interfere with you picking the wrong partner from a attraction standpoint, but also from a childhood, you know, picking your child's genetic perspective. Um, of course there are more, but I think that was enough <laughs> information for one day. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, we are going to paste several of the studies and articles and resources that I quote today in the show notes. If you want to check them out for yourself, as always, please share this with someone who, who needs it, um, on social media where someone can stumble across it and change their lives. I, two years ago in November of 2020, and as I am recording this, it is November, 2022. Um, so exactly two years ago, I went on a trip to Mexico with some uh, friends of me and my husband's, but like primarily old friends of my husband's who I had gotten to know over the years, but with some friends of my husband's and on this trip, you know, while we were sitting around the table, having dinner, I would just kind of talk about birth control and some of the side effects it might have and some of the reasons why it might not be working for people. And it's something I'm passionate about and was just sharing because this is what I think is fun dinner conversation. And I actually had a bit of a strange experience on this trip where I felt like a little bit of, um, like an outsider. Like I didn't hundred percent feel super like in connection with the group. And it was a bit of a challenging trip for me. And two, you know, almost two years later, this past summer, we were in the same city as some of the people who were on this trip. And this woman's fiance, who is, he happens to be a very, very old and close friend of my husband took me aside. And he said, I just want to thank you for sharing everything you shared about birth control because my partner, you know, I'm not going to say her name here, but you know, because after that trip, she, she got off of birth control because of everything you were saying. And it has like completely transformed our relationship. She's so much happier. We're so much happier. Like our lives are just so much better. And like, we're so grateful. Thank you so much for sh sharing that. It has like radically transformed our lives. And I could almost cry just thinking about it right now, because you never know when you're going to change someone's life. You never know when sharing something on social media, when just popping this into their inbox, Hey, I thought of you when sharing a fact that you heard on a podcast at dinner is going to plant a seed for someone else and help them in ways that you could never imagine. And I share this because, you know, like I said, at the, at the time on the trip, I kind of was like, I think they think I'm weird. <laughs> and I'm sharing, you know, I'm talking about all this health stuff and they just want to be like on vacation, like drinking in Mexico. Like they don't want to hang out with me. Like I had come up with all these stories around the way in which I felt like they were responding to me sharing this information when in fact, yeah, maybe they were just processing it, but like, thank God I shared it. Right. Because Two, almost two years later, I hear how much it's like really changed their lives. And so I offer this so that you can hopefully share this information with someone who really needs it. Um, 
Yeah. And if you are ready to get off of hormonal birth control, but don't feel like you have the tools and the knowledge to do it in a way that feels safe for you, whether that's because you're scared of post-birth control syndrome and the symptoms that might come with coming off of it. Maybe it's because you were on hormonal birth control for a reason that was not connected to conception, uh, to preventing conception and, you know, want to make sure that your hormones are balanced and that you're set up for success afterwards. I highly encourage you to get on the wait list for the well woman collective. It is my signature group coach program that has helped dozens and dozens of women safely get off of their hormonal birth control, reclaim their connection to their divine feminine and live their most fulfilled lives. So come say hi, whether or not that is you. And thank you for being here.